now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show, live from Salt River Fields. It is Wolf and Luke. We got D backs and Cubs about to start up here in just a few minutes in front of us. Always a trip talking to Andrew Chafin. That's uh, that guy, man. See, this, Seriously. So what we got to do, we got to plan the next interview with him out like months ahead of time, Wolf. So when he comes in, we can both also have grown out mustaches like that. <laughs> and then we don't say anything. We don't We don't break character at all. We just we just do the interview like that. He is a different, different dude. And um, I love talking yeah. to him. He was a different dude when he was here a couple years ago. And I would say he's even more different now <laughs> than he was then. Uh, all right. Back to football. The Combine gets going going this week which the defensive linemen and linebackers are are there they're not uh, they're not actually like doing combine things quite yet but they're they're talking at least today so it's starting up if you're the um if you're the cardinals this is a uh, and it's important to every team and I know we got into this last week of like I, I don't like it when teams overvalue the combine and then all of a sudden you're sitting there at three and you're going to make the pick, but instead of taking Will Anderson, you take some guy that could jump a little bit higher at the combine. We don't know what Monty Austin Fort is like as a GM because this is his first draft as a GM. But uh, it's been a whirlwind for him stepping in. Oh, by the way, you got to hire a coach. Oh, by the way, here's 31 free agents. Uh, oh, by the way, you're starting quarterback and now maybe even your backup are hurt and get ready for the draft. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because they have been really developing as a front office and coming together, I think. And it's amazing the speed in which they are doing it. And they've had a lot of activity going on, of course, just trying to hire a coaching staff and fill out the staff. That's been difficult. But they've already, they've been through the process of identifying their pro personnel, guys that are in the NFL right now, going through with the staff, the pro personnel staff, of course, and talking about unrestricted free agents. They also have met 10 days of meeting with a college staff getting ready for the combine coming up, of course. Not only that, getting ready for the NFL draft. You know, they need to set that pre-combine board. There's a lot of teams in the league, typically, they set it up by position, that pre-combine board by position. And then, of course, the big board is when it's the final board, and that's when the argument's really kick in. Um, a lot of times they'll go ahead and keep an open mind going into the combine, but many times they want to have it solidified as to, okay, who is your top 10? Who is your top 15 running backs? Who's your top 12 tackles? Who are, They, they want to have that pretty well um, lined up going into the combine. And the combine, of course, there, there are a lot of teams that put a ton of emphasis on the combine. Combine, and there are those that do not put as much emphasis on the combine, the tape. And this is what I want to see the Cardinals really get back to, the tape. The tape, the tape, the tape. Luke, you know me. Uh, I believe as... As a guy that's been around the game of football for a long time, if you watch a player from the snap to the whistle on every play, in one game, he's going to tell you an awful lot about himself. 
who he is as a person, the the type of player that he is. Is he physical? Is he aggressive? Is he violent? Is he smart? Is he not smart? Is he not violent? I mean, you 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 get to see a guy in his personality if you just watch him from the snap to the whistle and then watch him on the sideline as well. And that, to me, is something that I think they got to get back to. The tape, the tape, the tape. Uh, this is one of those areas where you and I are pretty much in the same I think a lot of people at this point have kind of gotten on the same page with this because we have seen teams get so caught up with something that happens at the Combine and all of a sudden they alter their draft around that and it's just it's I get it if if you like what you've seen from a player in college and they go to the Combine and they just they don't yeah. and they have a terrible showing okay that that's a red flag yeah. or you know vice versa if it's a guy that's maybe a little bit smaller under the radar uh, career wise but then he just lights up the Combine that's one thing but when you if it's not the outlier one way or the other, and you're looking at, hey, this guy was the 30th fastest, and we so that means we like him better than the guy that was the 33rd fastest. Like, seriously, to me, the combine is almost, and I'm not a GM, but to me, it would be closer to a tiebreaker between two players from what I saw them actually do yeah. on the field right. than the be-all, end-all. And some teams definitely go way overboard, and there's guys that shoot right up the board, and and you can't tell me that the New York Jets didn't take Zach Wilson mainly because of his impressive pro day with nobody else out there on the field with him, you know? And that's just one example. I feel like it happens ten times a year. Yeah, there are there are two types of uh, person in the National Football League right now in terms of scouts, and those are those that still believe the game of football is a physical, tough, hard game played by physically tough, hard people. And then there's people who believe, nah. Not so much. <laughs> and, and again, it's because of how the, how the game has evolved, Luke, over the last four years in particular. The last four years. And, you know, I think you can look at uh, the college game and the way that everyone thought the college game was really going to take over the National Football League. And it has to some degree. But that pendulum has really swung back more towards the middle. This is something I've talked about ad nauseum, and you know it. The old and the new, and that's where the state of football is right now. And if you believe that, if you believe you still have to run these old schemes as well as the new and blend them together, if you still believe that, that means you still believe a football player has got to be tough, hard-nosed, and physical. And I think that's the current staff. That's the current mentality with Monty Ossenfort as the general manager and Jonathan Gannon as the head coach of this team. I think that's where the Arizona Cardinals are right now. He brought up a, oh, sorry, and that means tape. Tape, tape, tape. And the combine, not so much. He brought up a good question earlier of... You know, how much do you do you allow the coaching staff or the head coach to have input on who you're drafting or what you see at the combine? And I, I, I would, if it were me, I mean, I want the GM and the assistant GM making the decisions. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to get input as long as you have that sort yep. of relationship where they, they don't get hurt if they give you input and then you don't take their player because you're trying to build the team. They're supposed to be developing and coaching the team. But I do wonder how different it is in a year like this where the GM and the head coach are all new. And they're new to each other, too. Monty Fort and, and Jonathan Gannon knew each other a little bit before this season, but that was that was by design that they met each other last offseason. You know what I mean? They've never worked together before. Yeah, um... Yet at the same time, this is why you have interviews. 
This is why questions are important and answers are important. It's the reason why using the V word, violent, very interesting to me that Jonathan Gannon would use that. And his staff continues to use that word specifically for a reason. It's all within the context and the paradigm of playing the game of football, of course in between the white lines. But they're using that word because they're looking for somebody that is like that. They're looking for aggressive football players that are going to ball out on the field. They're looking. So these guys are not looking for athletes, Basinonians, anymore. The Arizona Cardinals aren't looking for athletes first anymore. They're looking for football players through and through. All right, we come back, back to baseball, and this game's about to start up here between the D-backs and the Cubs, and uh, Merrill Kelly is going to join us next, so hopefully he's not pitching in the first inning. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from Salt River Fields. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we're back here at Salt River Fields. D-backs and Cubs have begun. We're out here on the left field porch, and we are joined by Merrill Kelly, who's coming off a pretty good year as a, as a starter for your D-backs. And, um, Merrill, I'm going to talk to you about ASU here very shortly, but first of all, how you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, had to borrow my guy's sunglasses right here. The sun's kind of right in my face. But yeah. other than that, yeah, other than that, we're hanging out. The weather's beautiful. It's good to see some people out at the ballpark again. Um, okay, let's you know. Let's just start with ASU. That's uh, that buzzer beater over the weekend. I mean, you're an ASU guy, and when you see something like that, that's uh, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, especially when it's against the Wildcats down south. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch the game, but obviously, I saw the highlights. Um, usually, Ken Kendrick or uh, Ken Crenshaw, our head trainers, usually keep me updated on what's going on ASU sports wise. Uh, but I woke up and saw that highlight and just the chuck up, and it was it was a pure shot too, just pure swish. Okay, can I get right to it right now? I'm not going to dance around at all. I can't stand the pitch clock. Are you okay with this, Merrill? Are you okay with the pitch clock? Um, yet to be seen, I think. Uh, I haven't thrown in a game with you. Just kind of backfield IBP stuff. Um, I definitely didn't like how the game ended down there in Florida. Uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, watching baseball games and, and growing up loving the sport, I, I think it takes away a little bit of just the, the, the essence of the game, right? Like, the whole point of the game is I throw the pitch and you try to hit it. Um, so when I see it, not only in a bat, and especially in a huge situation, bottom of the ninth, yeah. like that's the stuff we dream about as, as kids in the backyard. Bottom of the ninth, 6-6 game, two outs, full count. Um, and to see not only in a bat get taken away like that, but also the game end like that, it's, it's a little tough. We're talking to Merrill Kelly. Uh, Merrill, I was filling in on a show a few years ago, and we were out here at spring training, and it was it was you were just breaking in with the D-backs, like you were looking to make the jump to Major League Baseball. You've obviously made that jump, and last year in particular was uh, was especially good. How, how different are do you feel now when you're out here for Cactus League action as opposed to when you were first breaking in? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely different for me. It's a, it's a it's a good feeling, um, you know, just running around on the backfields and, and kind of going into camp, just kind of going about my business. It's a little bit different than than coming in as a rookie and you know trying to be everywhere that you're quote unquote supposed to be and and uh, making sure you're not stepping on anybody's toes and making sure you're in the right place at the right time. Um, coming in this year, just this will be my fifth year with the team. Um, it, it's definitely special. It, I'm an, I'm honored to be here for as long as I have been and. and and hopefully another another three years, including this year. Um, but I'm excited about this year's team. I'm definitely more excited about the squad we have going into this year, I think, than I have been since I've been here. Can I ask you why that is, Merrill? Uh, just the, the brand of baseball we were playing towards the end of the year last year. Um, 
you know, I think if everybody kind of saw it, everybody was excited. We had a bunch of young guys come up, yeah. um, kind of infuse our team with some some young energy, some young hunger, and and some good speed. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what we do. And you know, obviously we got guys like Christian Walker coming back who did what he did last year, and we've got the veteran presence coming in with Evan Longoria. Um, so I think you know if you take those two uh, pieces of the pie and you put them together, I, you know, I think we're looking at a pretty good squad. We're talking to Merrill Kelly. Um, is this weird sitting out here watching your team play? I mean, I know sometimes you'll watch from the bullpen, but sitting out here in left field just kind of doing an interview as your teammates are playing baseball? <laughs> uh, a little bit, but, you know, it's kind of kind of part of the job. You know, it kind of comes with the territory, but it, it's not a bad view for you guys got from up here other than the, other than the sun. Yeah, that sun. I don't know. No, we're loving it. Are you one of these guys comes comes into spring training with a goal, a purpose? You're, you're, you're trying to work on something particular to your craft. Are you one of those guys? Uh, you know, I, I think it kind of depends on the year. Um, you know, there's some things that you want to put different work into, different off seasons, and that kind of carries into spring training. Other off seasons, you you know, you might feel good where you're at and what you have, and you're just trying to get ready for the season. Uh, this year, I'm trying to implement um, a different pitch. I'm trying to implement a slider, so that's kind of my focus on this season really? or on, on this spring training. Um, you know, I think it would be beneficial uh, in my mind, especially against right-handed hitters. I think I had a lot of opportunities last year to, to kind of put right-handers away. Um, if I had a slider, I think it would have uh, boded well in, the, in those situations, so that's kind of my focus for this spring and obviously with the with the wbc um a little bit of a different spring but i'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that merrill kelly's joining us right now uh merrill we talked to mike hazen a couple weeks ago about all the rule changes not you know not just the uh, the pitch clock how that could potentially benefit this team the way it's constructed and mike hazen was like we got to wait and see you know who knows how it's going to play out but when you have a, a, an outfield like you have behind you with those those young guys that are pretty fast and pretty good defensively uh, how much and especially with, with what they can do on the base paths i mean how much do you see them potentially being able to take advantage of some of these things yeah i, I think you know i i don't think they knew going into putting the the squad or the roster that they did together i don't know if they envisioned the rule changes i don't know if they knew that was coming um but if they did they did it i think they did a damn good job of of assembling some speed um and, and like you touched on with the outfield just them running around i would put i would put those guys up against probably anybody in the league to yeah. be honest with you um with alec corbin and jake running around i mean there's probably not going to be too too many balls that that fall down you're going to have to hit it pretty dang hard uh for it to drop on the grass so the confidence is is just there you know you even if you make a pitch and the guy hits it out in the outfield you can just know that you can attack because those guys are going to go run it down um as far as the you know the speed with the rule changes in the pitch clock um i think obviously in the minor leagues i, I think the stolen base uh percentage or the at least the uh the attempts i think went way up uh so i think that bodes extremely well for for our team you know you got those guys that if you get on base that they're going to cause havoc on the bases and the pitchers are going to have to not only keep track of the clock but keep track of those guys at first base as well and doing that of course two disengagements right yeah. that's all you're allowed right there yeah. i i just i'm I don't know if I like that. How about you? Yeah, for me, that's going to be the most interesting part. Um, I've said all, all spring training when people have asked me about it, you know, the pitch clock especially gets the most, I think, the most questions, yes. the most, uh, you know, notoriety pace of so the game. far. Pace of the game. Um, and so far, you know, I don't hate it. Watching, there's definitely a, the rhythm to the game. There's a there's a nuance to the game now. So I don't hate it so far. But when you mix the pitch clock with with limiting how many times that we can pick off and giving people extra bases if we don't get them, I think that's when things kind of get a little hairy. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to pick people off. Uh, I feel like I do a decent job of it. I think I had four or five pickoffs yes. last year. Um, so I'm. 
I'm not too mad about it because I think some of the fast guys in the in the league are going to start trying to game that, are going to start trying to take advantage of that. But I think they also have to. Uh, I think they also have to acknowledge that if there's a guy on the mound that has a good pickoff move and isn't scared to, you know, give that guy an extra base if he gets him out, um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys start getting picked off. I think you might see a lot of, uh, you know, pickoff induced rundowns from first and second with guys trying to get walking leads as the clock goes down. Um, but for me, I'm always going to be keeping an eye on them, and if, if they, you know, try to start getting reckless over there, I'm definitely not scared to try to pick them off. I didn't even really think about the walking lead as the clock's going down. That's, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, because uh, everybody's eyes are going to be on it, right? Like the pitcher's eyes are going to be on it, the hitter's eyes are going to be on it, and I think the base runners kind of go the same for that as well. Wow, that is that is crazy. Uh, Merrill Kelly's joining us. So Merrill, you you know you get into the league, and, and maybe when you're first breaking in, you can sneak up on some hitters, but then you show you belong, and they kind of adjust, and then you adjust back. And now you get to this point, you had a really good season last year. I mean, are you expecting a pretty big adjustment from from teams around the league again, or is that kind of where off a little bit the deeper you get into your career uh you know i think that's something we'll have to see once we get going you know i I think we'll have to see what the approaches become um see if it changes at all see if they're if teams are trying a different approach um i was actually talking to evan longoria last or yesterday about um you know i like picking people's brains on who's faced me and on teams that have faced me i kind of like picking their brains on what the uh you know kind of what the uh, the scattering report was on me, so I was kind of picking his brain as far as what the the Giants were trying to do last year. So that's kind of just little things we try to pick up on. Um, I know guys try to like uh, try to be aggressive against me just because I, I throw strikes, um, and that was kind of what he talked about as the plan as the year went on and I faced them longer. Uh, that was kind of their approach as they kind of stopped trying to get deep in counts. Uh, they started being a little bit more aggressive, um, and you saw that kind of in that last game that I threw against them that they put up that eight spot. So um, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Uh, I'm always trying to adjust. You know, as a pitcher, you're always trying to stay a couple steps ahead of the hitters, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know you hear me talk about him trying to implement a new pitch, um, just trying to keep them guessing. So we got some young guys competing to be on the rotation and in the rotation, of course. How much do you mentor these guys at all? Do you, do you kind of grab them by the shoulder and being a grizzled veteran that you are right now do you kind of give them some insight um me i've always kind of been a lead by example type guy um i'm I'm not one to kind of go out of my box and kind of offer opinions when they're not asked uh, just because i don't really know how guys are going to respond to that right like some guys want that some guys want the veterans to come up to them and like you said grab them and Mm -hmm. say hey this is what i see you know other guys are pretty confident in themselves and they've in their minds they've gotten to this point on their own um so i kind of let those guys kind of do their thing but i'm always open if anybody ever has any questions about what i do or what i think or what i see um i'll definitely always answer those questions um but i I typically try to you know kind of stay in my lane but i'm definitely open for them we talked to uh, dre jameson ryan nelson earlier in the show are there is there one or two guys that you you see already and you're like maybe people don't know about this guy or how good he's going to be but you can tell just because you're a pitcher too yeah, I mean, those two guys especially jump out just because, you know, what they did coming up at the end of the year and how well they pitched when they got to the big leagues. Um, I know there was some questions around Dre, I think, a little bit just because the numbers in AAA weren't there. Uh, but, I mean, you guys saw what he did when he came up. Um, he's a definitely a confident kid. Uh, he believes in his stuff. He believes in himself, and as he should, he's got really, really good stuff. Um, the guy pitching right now, Brandon Fott, 
this is this will be the first time that I've actually got to see him pitch live. Um, but everybody that I talk to in the organization speak very, very highly of this kid. Um, they the way he goes about his business, uh, he knows how to pitch, and I, I think the stuff plays pretty well. Merrill, are you a goal guy? You come into a season and you say, you know what, I want to I want to hit this number, this mark, right? Are are you a goal guy? Uh, not too much. Uh, I kind of try to take every game by game. Uh, I have kind of intermediate goals, I guess, and and that kind of depends on each and every game more than the longevity of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in my mind, I want to go six, at least six innings every game. Um, I think, you know, starting pitcher, I, I think that's kind of a good gauge in my mind of, of what it's a good game and what's not. If I go six, I did my job. If I go anything over six, then, it you know, kind of icing on the cake. And if I go under six, in my mind, I didn't do my job that day. Um, but innings for me are huge. You know, like you guys saw last year, I really scrapped my way to 200 innings. Um, and I guess going into the season, that would probably be, if I had a goal, that would probably be the only one is to try to get to 200 innings. Otherwise, cool. it's just win, win, win some baseball games. Merrill, we appreciate it, man. Continued success this season and beyond, all right? Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Buddy. Thanks a lot. That's Merrill Kelly joining us right there. Uh, when we come back, how's that Suns rotation looking when Kevin Durant gets into the lineup finally? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back out here at uh, Salt River Fields, I, I tell you what, Wolf, this is the first time I've seen it in person, obviously, because I wasn't at either of the games this weekend. Yeah. It flies with that pitching clock. It, it does. It really does. It we're, does. Already, we're already in the bottom of the second inning. We're only 20 minutes yeah. into the game. And, you know, I, I understand. You want to move the game along. I get it. I, I, I understand all of it. Um but man, this seems extreme to me. It does. And at some point in time, when you're in these huge games, it's one of the things I love the most about the game of baseball is the pace of the game. The drama that is built up in between each pitch. And you know what? Merrill Kelly was actually talking about that as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, he brought up, you know, and I'm sure other people have thought of this, but he, he brought up how, from a pitcher's perspective, how you start to get down to like two or three seconds left on the pitch clock where the runners just going to start walking towards second base because he knows you have to pitch. Especially if you've had two you've disengagements already, yeah. already. Yeah. No, and, and we're just watching it obviously right in front of us right now. The D-backs playing the Cubs. And you see the pitcher get up there. Okay, you got 15 seconds batter steps up well the batter's waving the bat around for a little bit before he gets set by the time the pitcher can even throw there's like nine seconds left on the clock and once again you got to be in that box when it gets to eight you have to be in that box or it's going to be a strike so i uh i like the concept we'll see how this plays out though you may be right that 15 seconds may be a little short although we had dre jameson on earlier and he loved it he's like let's just let's get going <laughs> so you're saying a younger guy a pitcher he didn't mind it he was he Mel was kelly not so much he was ready to go um all right back to basketball this is <laughs> crazy as this this could be a a truly historic week for the phoenix suns it should be a truly historic week for the phoenix suns and uh and yet we have barely even gotten into it today with everything else that's going on but um kevin durant you would hope is making his son's debut on wednesday even when we had merrill kelly when he was leaving he's like i'm excited to see kevin durant like everybody's excited to see kevin durant so i think that was off the air but but uh let's get this going now huh there's no doubt about it. I, I, we're all ready for the the Phoenix Suns to have Kevin Durant out and 
Um, just watch. You know what? I can't watch the game. <laughs> I cannot do that right there. It is distracting. actually it's so What's distracting the right play? there. Basically, I'm watching the game go on, and it's very difficult to do that and actually stay focused on the topic. But this we're is talking even better about. though, because now in this stadium, right? There's yes. a game going on. D-backs, Cubs here at Salt River Fields. Wolf is the only person in the stadium sitting facing away from the field now. <laughs> He's just looking at this wall. Yes, <laughs> I just you know what the whole Kevin Durant thing. Oh my goodness, we've we've covered it from every angle known to man. Um, we all can't wait for Kevin Durant to actually get in a Suns uniform and go out and get minutes, uh, start a game. I don't care how many minutes he played. Well, actually, I do. <laughs> okay, I do because I don't want him getting hurt or anything like that. But man, it's just it's been so long since the news has come down about Kevin Durant being. A Phoenix Sun, and then actually seeing him out there competing as a Phoenix Sun, and it's driving me nuts. So I'm at that point. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of people are, and I have to think at some point Kevin Durant's at that point too, where he just wants to get out there and play. I, I find you myself. Know, but we were talking about this earlier, though. You know, couldn't he have played last night against the Bucks? Could he have played? I, I'm. It seems... I mean, I'm not a doctor that can sure. diagnose through the television, but I, I have to think. My thought is if he plays on Wednesday, he probably could have played Sunday or even <laughs> Friday if it was the playoffs. And I don't have a problem he with that. He could have played. If the, Suns, if the Suns are being a little extra cautious so they don't bring him back and then have him get re-injured, I don't Especially have a problem with in that. that game. And I can yeah. see that. I, I understand that. You're thinking the Milwaukee Bucks, this is going to be an aggressive, this is going to be a physical game. This is going to be, oh, and by the way, there's Jay Crowder. He's over there, and he's had some dust-ups with the coaching staff of the Phoenix Suns and maybe even some players, for all we know. So, you know what, maybe it's just a good idea for everybody involved if we don't make this our first game where we run Kevin Duran out there because it's going to be an aggressive, physical playoff atmosphere. I do want to see. I think see, there's truth to that. I want to see that matchup, though, whether it is on March 14th or it's in the uh, NBA Finals. Suns have one more game against Milwaukee in a couple weeks uh, here, actually, at Footprint Center. So um, so I do want to see both teams at full strength because, and we had Dave Pash on earlier, he said this might be the two best teams in the league, honestly. All due respect to Denver with what they've done in the regular season and Boston with what they've done in the regular season. Of those two teams, I kind of trust Boston a little bit more just because I haven't seen Denver do it in the playoffs. But the Suns and Bucks, as they are constructed now, and knowing that the Bucks just won the yeah. title two years ago and it was over the Suns in the finals, I mean, if you could just say rematch right now, that's probably the toughest team for the Suns to match up with. But I, obviously, we would all take it. Here's the thing, Basin audience, play-by-play guys and drivers, they drive me crazy. Okay, <laughs> they minute. do. They just drive me crazy because they say things like that. This could be the two best teams in the league right here. And yeah, you're right. And it, 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 David is right. There's no denying it. Can I, can I just be a skeptic as a former professional athlete? Can I just take a prove-it mentality? That's really what I want to do, even with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm geeked up, jacked up like anybody else to see Kevin Durant in a son's uniform. Go out and actually compete. How good can they possibly be, my brothers? I don't know. I don't know, but I know I want to see it. And I think um, 
I think it's dangerous, and I continue. <laughs> I will continue to come back to the Greg Popovich text to Monty Williams. Monty should have never told us. <laughs> he, he should have never told us that Pop said, "Don't skip steps." Don't, Don't say that because Monty never tells us right? anything. He anyway. should have never told us that because now that's all I'm thinking about is the fact that I want to see Kevin Durant go out in the, <laughs> number thirty-five wearing his son's uniform. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, and. Yet at the same time, it means nothing until they go out and they play as a team. Don't skip stuff. So where I was approaching this weekend's games, figuring Durant wasn't going to play after what we heard towards the end of last week was, all right, let's let's see, where, where does T.J. Warren fit in? Where does Darius Baisley fit in? Where does Terrence Ross fit in? Where, where, okay, how are they going to work on this? Well, this is Monty Williams after the game, courtesy of Dwayne Rankin, saying, look, there's not room in the rotation for 11 guys. There's a lot of guys to play. Okay. You know, we're already playing um, yeah. 10, yeah. you know. So to play him, you got to bump somebody out. And um, we feel like we have a decent rhythm with D. Lee. And, and um, for the most part, J.O. and, and Tori have been banning that, that starting spot. And then you're soon we're going to get Kevin, and that's going to knock somebody else out. And so you can't play everybody. And uh, I explained that to the group yesterday. We need a great deal of sacrifice from the group. Um, so there may be a shot for him to play, but right now we feel like we have a decent rhythm with the guys we're playing. I mean, that's the other part of this, Wolf, is is the Suns have been winning games. Yeah. You know, and, and yesterday they end up losing. I, I did the math on this. Going into the game yesterday, they were in their previous 16 games. They had won 12 of them. They had used 17 different players in those 16 games, and they had used eight different starting lineups because Man. those 16 games range back to when Cam Johnson was just coming back from injury. Um, so it, it's been... It's been a bunch of different looks from the Suns, and yet they have continued to win. But the thing is now, what, they played 10 guys yesterday. Darius Baisley and T.J. Warren couldn't even get into the game. Well, that rotation is going to shorten to at least nine, if not maybe eight, when you actually get into playoff games. And Kevin Durant's going to be in there. So... I don't know, man. These guys, if they're not playing now, I don't know. that. Like, this was kind of their weekend to play, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, who do you think? Okay, the starting five, um, we all know who the four will be when KD gets back. And then you figure maybe Josh Okogie. I think maybe I Josh Okogie could be or that Craig, guy. maybe they rotate maybe, between Maybe Story Craig, yeah. right? Okay, but let's just for argument's sake say that it's Josh Okogie. And um, who then is going to be the rotation? Who's going to be involved in that? Once the playoffs start, once they start whittling it down, to your point right there, yeah, maybe nine, uh, maybe eight. Boy, that that seems rough right there. Picking three guys. If you had to pick three guys that will see meaningful minutes for the Phoenix Suns in the postseason, that'd be rough. You figure Damian Lee, because he's been a big part of this all season, and he gives you threes, certainly. Campaign? Yeah, I would assume. Campaign played eight minutes yesterday. But, yeah, camp, I, campaign and then probably a Kogi or Craig who isn't starting. So that right there is eight players. I mean, and I'm not saying they can't change. but it's, You've got to have a big – well, you don't – I guess you don't have to. Well, that's what Durant – the, the fact that Durant can play – No, like no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about D.A. For somebody who's going to come in, do you, do you need another center to play? No. 
You he, don't? No, because Durant could, could be. Especially in the postseason. Yeah, he could absolutely do that. Uh, all right. Well, if you're missing a great game, by the way, being the only person in the stadium who's facing away from the field. but um, Brutal. We come back Can't and we'll, watch it. we'll wrap up the show from Salt River Fields. We'll get back into ASU and their monumental victory over U of A over the weekend. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back. Final segment of the show out here from Salt River Fields. Wolf has uh, has gone back into the shade. I tell you, the, it, it's beautiful out here, but in the sun, you do you feel it, don't you? Just getting smoked. I, I really can't paint this picture well enough. Wolf, is, we're sitting out here in the left field porch. What are you going to do if a home run is hit out here? You're facing away from the field. <laughs> Just let me know, will you, Luke, please? Okay. This is smoked like 300 pounds of salmon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the difference between us and a, and a D-backs player, right? Merrill Kelly comes up here. He's like, yeah, it's kind of bright. So I, I yeah. used my sunglasses for part of the segment. Within two minutes, somebody came up here with a hat and sunglasses for him. Right, exactly. You're over there catching on fire, and they're like, just you know turn around. You know amazing about it? First of all, I, you'd never wear somebody else's sunglasses. You uh, would in these situations. Unless you had to. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Merrill <laughs> knew exactly what he was doing. It's bright. He was like, you know what, Luke? I'm going to take those glasses. That's, I don't care what they are. I don't care if they fit me or not. It's a You've got a hat on. Yeah, I'm going to take them. I'm going to wear yeah. them. I thought that was pretty cool. It was, it, was a, it was a solid move, but the point is they came up and gave him a hat and sunglasses. You, you're over there falling <laughs> apart, and they're like, you can figure it out. Well, uh, how about this? Carson Wentz getting released. Wow. Okay. Kind of thought that was going to happen, or at least there was a possibility. Yeah. Carson Wentz has had a long and winding road, has he not? It wasn't that long ago where he was like an MVP candidate for, what, probably the first 10 games of the season, and then his team won the Super Bowl. Yes. Um, he needs to rethink the game of football. That's what I think. He needs to um, get with a team that is going to be more old than new. That's what I think. I could be dead wrong on that. That's just my opinion. I think he really needs to double down on a guy that's going to be under center and work on his quarterback skills, work on his craft from under center. That's what I think he's really going to be good at uh, going forward as a backup quarterback in the NFL. wonder what that does. I mean, who is Washington's quarterback at this point? They never seem to trust Taylor Heineke. So I'm sure. assuming it's not. It's They've got to do something. Yeah, of course. They They've got to do something. Trade up to like the third pick and maybe. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, there. of yeah. course, there it is right there. Ding, ding, ding. Let's hope uh, the Chicago Bears say, you know what? Nobody's offering anything really good for our first pick overall. Nobody's doing that. So we're going to take Jalen Carter. How about that? If you're Washington, I believe the Commanders pick 16th. Would they the uh, commanders. trade right up there to three? I'll take 16. I'll take another first. Yeah, how about that? Move yeah. up to three and, and maybe, hey, there's C.J. Stroud on the board. Maybe Bryce Young is on the board. At that point, At who knows three. which one of them is going to be better than the other? There's no guarantees. Yes, because the Bears are like, you know what? We've had a long history of having great defensive tackles with the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and stick with that and draft Jalen Carter. And, of course, the story over the weekend was uh, ASU going into Tucson, beating U of A 89-88, buzzer beater from Desmond Cambridge Jr. He finishes the game with 19 points. But, you know, we had Tim Healy on. Uh, we had Merrill Kelly on. He was he was obviously fired up with the fact that it was in Tucson as well, with Merrill Kelly being an ASU guy. But, um 
that's a huge win for for so many reasons, Wolf. The the way you do it, the fact that the shot literally was just nothing but net. Uh, the fact that it was it was over U of A, it was on the road, it was this late in the season when plays like that stick in the committee's mind more, and wins like that are you know it's, it's a bigger deal to beat U of A in U of A February 25th than it would have been to beat them at home on December 31st when they yeah. played them in Tempe. It just is. That's the way history has shown us that. I, I don't want to say, Luke, that it puts them back on the bubble. I don't want to say that because I, I think the two games they have remaining, of course, at UCLA on Thursday night and USC Saturday, those two games right there, um, I there's... Those two games are going to be critical. Let's face it. It's going to be critical as to whether or not these Sun Devils get into the NCAA tournament. Right now, I don't want to say this win puts them back on the bubble. I think it puts them at the bottom of the bubble. Bubble, Can I say that? Um, There's a possibility. At least they're touching it right now, being on the bubble. But I think these two games coming up will decide it for them. The one thing is, and Casey Jacobson said this to Bickley and Murata this morning, that really stands out and it's true. The other bubble teams haven't really had a win like that, and certainly not recently. You know, I'm, I'm sure other bubble teams, depending on how big the bubble gets here in the next week and a half, are going to have quality wins, certainly. But to have one late in February over a top 10 team yeah. in their building and to do it in dramatic fashion, you know, look, I know I know it's a rivalry. I know plenty of U of A fans are like, oh, they got lucky. Well, you, whatever. I mean, I, <laughs> if you're not going to count shots that you don't want to count, then sure. I guess everybody gets lucky all the time. Even if you want to set that aside for a second, they played U of A tight both times they played them this season. The first time, ASU couldn't hit a three, and they still yeah. played U of A close. And then certainly over the weekend, that game came down to the final shots. Yeah. yeah, you know, once again, um, I I think these two games, the totality of these two games, I, I see them being connected. And, um, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you're right. Maybe they are on the bubble right now because of this win. But over they still the need to win games. They, that's, they that's still the need to win games. Well, yeah, but, you know, to me, again, um, you win both these games, you're in. I think... Yeah. You I win so. both these games. You beat UCLA, number four team in the country. You beat USC. I, I think you're in if you win both these games. Um, obviously, depending on who you beat, if you split, um, I think it's still up in the air and you're still on a bubble. Yeah, and it, it's been a, an up and down season because you start eleven and one. You have that really lopsided loss to San Francisco. You lose the close game to U of A. And so then, you know, anybody that's followed this program for a while is like, okay, how are they going to respond now? Start strong, but you start losing. You're going to start to fall apart. They responded to that first U of A game, that loss, with four straight wins. So you're 15-3. and You've been in the committee's mind at that point. But then you lose four straight. And, they, you know, you can lose to UCLA. That's fine. That was a close game till the uh, the end. And then UCLA pulled away. But started to string some losses together there. And you start to drift out of everybody's conversation about uh, tournament teams. But since then, since the start of February, they're 5-2. and two, And you've got some good wins in there. And to your point, if, they're, if they close out the regular season with four straight wins and they are over Utah, Arizona, UCLA, and USC, oh, yeah. I don't they're think they in. have to show up to the Pac-12 tournament. They, nope. they would be in the tournament. No. Yeah, you're in. But the problem is, of course, what if they lose to UCLA and they beat USC? 
Okay, now, again, I don't want to say that's a problem. Now, with uh, now all of a sudden, I think you definitely are a bubble team. Yeah, you're right there. You're you're on the bubble like everybody else, and the Pac-12 tournament will decide your fate. Tim Healy, too, when he was on, um, he pointed out that that. He did that story, and I was reading it during one of the breaks for thesundevils.com about his top 25 moments calling sports for ASU because, you know, it's the 25th year. And there's some good ones up there at the top. This one's got to be up there. He said maybe top three, top five uh, all time just because of the way it happened. And you can't undersell the fact that you beat U of A in Tucson. That's not... It's not a lot of teams don't do that. That's not an ASU U of A thing. A lot of teams don't beat U of A down there. The miracle at McHale. Interesting. Do you like the name of it, by the way? I'll take it. Yeah. yeah okay. It sounds like it. better. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll question. This is unplanned. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Well, Wolf, you went there, I guess. So our Arizona Sports Poll question of the day. What should <laughs> ASU guard Desmond Cambridge Jr.'s half-court buzzer beater to upset number seven Arizona be called? Should it be called the Miracle at McHale? McHale Mary, shot heard round the state, or McHale Miracle? <laughs> Wait, oh, my goodness. Of course, there are people that are sweating over this. The answer to this should stay exactly what it is right now. The Miracle at McHale. Well, McHale Mary is, is more catchy, but it's it's a different sport. It's just used. It's it's overused. Yeah. And we already had the Hale Murray. If we didn't have yes. the Hale Murray recently, I probably would go with that one. But I, I like the Miracle at McHale because I like the idea of one of the greatest moments ever at McHale Center not even belonging to U of A. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. 41% say McHale Mar- <laughs> McHale Mary. Okay. 35% Miracle at McHale. 16% shot heard around the state and 8% McHale Miracle. <laughs> shot heard around the state. Okay. Uh, Could might, be any yeah. state at that point in time. Um, <laughs> You're picking apart the poke question. <laughs> Look at this guy. Like, honestly, you know what it is? It's the sun the that is shining on the back of my head <laughs> right now. That's because you turned away from oh, the field. Oh, my goodness. All right. It's time for us to leave. I think they want us to go. Uh, thanks to everybody involved <laughs> with the uh, the show today. Thanks Bring to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison, Byron Oliver, uh, Jamal Gumo for uh, for uh, for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo <laughs> out here next, I believe. I see Gambo uh, right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.